Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure-earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 or listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now, our host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters Radio, sponsored by Wealthy Sisters Media Group. You can visit us for all your branding and publishing needs at Wealthy Sisters Media, that's S-I-S-T-A-S dot com, WealthySistersMedia.com. Well, here at Wealthy Sisters Radio, it is where we celebrate and love to celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women, and our purpose is twofold. First, we must inspire and provide you, the author, Awesome listener with encouragement and practical knowledge that you can apply to your lives right now and have a positive impact on your business as well. And second, we must edify, promote, and acknowledge and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today is another awesome Monday. That's right, it's October the 22nd, 2012. Wow, and I hope you're as excited about your future starting right now with the present because trust me, it is extremely bright. No matter what it looks like to you right now, it is extremely bright. Yes, indeed. You know, we are here every week at the same time, and we thank you. That's right, Mondays at 12 noon Eastern, so we appreciate you for spreading the word. Well, guess what, everybody? It is still raining men here in October for Wealthy Sisters. That's right. The brothers are in the house, and we want you to know, gentlemen, that we are listening. You thought we weren't, but we are. And so, you know, this month we've been celebrating an all-male guest panel, and I tell you, this is our fourth show, and what an explosive month. I mean, an incredible month this has been. The first week we started off with Shay Brown, our uh, dynamic worldwide sales expert. Uh, then we had the dynamic duos. The second week there, Derek and Daryl Miles of Milestone Motivation with their superhuman performance. And last week, wow, we had another awesome show, which was cybersecurity expert. I mean, blew our mind. Uh, Mr. Morris Cody there. And today, this week, I am thrilled and intrigued by our guest, his new book, The Vuja Day Moment, and I know he has to help me with the pronunciation there, and his entire platform, which is based on the premise of discovering your brilliance. So that's right. Today, our very special guest is none other than Mr. Simon T. Bailey of the Brilliance Institute. And so you know what you must do right now. You've got to call everybody, text them, Facebook, tweet them, tell them to dial 347-838-9278 right now, or you can listen live as always and catch this show and all of our other recorded shows on WealthySistersRadio.com. You can even download us free on Facebook there, or on iTunes rather. You can listen to it on your uh, smartphones, 
iTunes, your your uh, Androids, whatever type of smartphone you have, you can download the show. And we appreciate you for following us there at uh, Twitter and Facebook under Wealthy Sisters. That's right, Wealthy Sisters, S-I-S-T-A-S, on Facebook and Twitter. And if you've logged into the Blog Talk Network, be sure to click follow there so that you can stay in contact with our show and get a reminder on a weekly basis. Now, I tell you, I guess his his has a, uh, I mean, an incredible uh, background, but let me just share a little bit about Mr. Simon T. Bailey. He is a compelling thought catalyst whose vision is to inspire 10% of the 7 billion people on the planet to release their brilliance and create the future. Organizations around the world recognize him as a high-impact business thinker who keenly understands the needs of his audience and individuals from around the world look to him for personal mentoring. He's helped people from all over the country, major Fortune 500 and 400 companies. And I tell you, he's the author of several books. Uh, one, Release Your Brilliance, published by HarperCollins, and his highly anticipated new book, The Vujet de Moment, <laughs> Shift from Your Average to Brilliant. So we are not going to hold him too much longer from you. are going to take a short break and come right back with our very special guest today, Mr. Simon T. Bailey. Stay tuned. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. Do you find yourself overwhelmed in paperwork? Are you struggling with administrative tasks preventing you from doing what you really love? Then consider hiring a virtual assistant. Call M. Alexander and Associates Incorporated toll-free at 1-877-894-0564 or join them on the web at www.iwillassistyou.net. Yes, we are live back here on Wealthy Sisters. And welcome to everybody. We see, man, the lines are packed out. Thank you for dialing in today. And also the chat room, we see you there. Thank you as well. We appreciate all of our dynamic listeners. We are thrilled today as we celebrate all men guest panels here on Wealthy Sisters for the month of October. And our very special guest today is Mr. Simon T. Bailey. He's an author, speaker, motivator, and guess what? He's here live with us today. Hello, Simon. Welcome Hello. to Wealthy Sisters. Hello, oh, brilliant one. How are you? Oh, wonderful. I love the way you greet people. You can't go wrong starting out like that. <laughs> How are you today? I am doing awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you know, as we say here at Wealthy Sisters, we always like to get the 411, and the best way to do that is to ask, out of the horse's mouth, right? Go straight to the source. <laughs> so it's just such an awesome concept that you have. And we want to know, our audience wants to know how you came up with it. And and we know that has a lot to do with where you grew up and um, everything that went into creating, as we say, that recipe that we see today. So tell us a little bit about how you got started and the the path that you, you know, arrived at today. 
Sure. So my backstory is I am from Buffalo, New York, and uh, 26 years ago, Mom and Dad loaded the family station wagon and dropped me off at Morehouse College. Oh, and at the, my yeah. home, ATL. <laughs> and at the end of my freshman year at Morehouse, they called and said, we don't have the money to send you back to Morehouse, nor do we have money to bring you back home to Buffalo, but we do love you, and we believe in you. <laughs> So uh, I dropped out of school, moved into a drug-infested community, though I was not on drugs. It's all that I could afford at the time. Got uh-huh. a job at a hotel making a whopping $5.10 an hour. Oh, and, oh what uh, hotel was that now? It was I bet the you David know what it was. Downtown Hotel. Oh, yes, <laughs> off of Lucky Street? Yeah, um, actually Spring and Baker, right across from the Apparel Mart, right around the corner yes, from Lucky Street. Yes, I know Street. exactly. Yep. <laughs> so I was there. So I, I, went, uh, I transferred my one-year credits from Morehouse over to Georgia State, Went uh-huh. to school at night, worked during the day, was lost as a, a goose in a blizzard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just lost yeah, trying to find yeah. myself. So then fast forwarding, I um, didn't mean to work in the hospitality industry, but 25 years later, I'm still in the hospitality industry <laughs> in a different way. I did uh-huh. go back to school, finish my undergrad and my master's degree, and uh, over the last 25 years, I've worked for um, six different companies, 10 different jobs, And within the last 10 years, I went out on my own, left Disney to go out on my own to create the Brilliance Institute. And uh, we've worked with almost a 1,000 organizations on six continents and uh, written seven books. I just returned from Santiago, Chile. So Mm -hmm. hola, amigos, to all of those that speak Spanish that might be listening to us. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be with you today. Oh, wow. Like I said, what an incredible background. I mean, just starting, of course, with my hometown. Of course, that's special to me. But I'd love to to kind of see about that uh, Disney experience and how that was and did it have a lot to do with what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So I worked at Disney for seven years. It actually took mm-hmm. me two years to get hired, ten mm-hmm. interviews, a ten-page mm. psychological analysis done by the Gallup organization, <laughs> and finally <laughs> they hired me. And in the seven years that I was there, I had four different jobs. My last job was the sales director and new business development director for the Disney Institute. And uh, in 1999, Disney sent me over to Paris to design a leadership program for Barclays Bank out of London for 1,000 of their leaders. And that's where the seed was really planted. And I really Uh began to understand not only how they made money, but how they leveraged existing assets and repurposed them to generate Mm. revenue. So what that Mm. means for everyone that's listening to us right now, wherever you are right now, be there, pay attention, keep your eyes open, and follow the money. How mm-hmm. do they repurpose things and use them over and over and over again and make billions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And I, I love that you said pay attention. There's that is so that's a lot that you said. I mean, we can look at a lot that's in the, those two words, be there, or those uh, four words there, be there and pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, give us an example of what you're talking about. Sure. So one of the things I realized that Disney took existing curriculum that Mm -hmm. had been designed and used internally when they Mm -hmm. hired employees or what they call cast members. And Mm -hmm. so internally, it's called Disney University. So people would go for ongoing training on how does Disney do this, this, and this. Well, they Mm -hmm. took that same curriculum, repurposed it, margined up the cost, and sold Mm -hmm. it externally. And Mm -hmm. so now what was internally free, it's intellectual property, they 
take that same intellectual property and put a new skin or a new face on it and mm-hmm. called it the Disney Institute and had people paying three to five thousand dollars a person coming mm-hmm. from all over the world to learn mm-hmm. how much or how Disney did it. Well, how much did that cost them? Well, obviously you might have had a little labor in there, right? You've got the physical facility, but right. the margin on it. <laughs> is the point. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and that's when I had the epiphany and I said, Wow, this is amazing <laughs> Because because the people were interested in the content. They were interested in the how to's. How did Disney do that? And so yeah. what I realized here I was working in the seventh most recognized brand in the world. How yeah. can I think in that mindset to create content and curriculum that could be repurposed and redistributed around the world? Wow. Well, you know, we need to all uh, stop and applause. And I keep saying I need to load uh, an applause um, signal here on the the switch the switchboard because for you to recognize that, Simon, mm-hmm. is something that uh, speaks volumes of you and how you think. Because think about it. We all know um, that everyone is not supposed to be an entrepreneur. We know that. But there are a lot of people who have skills and who have talents, and it, it may just be that fear factor that's holding them back. And they're in the midst of what you were in and just couldn't see or act on what you saw for yourself there. So we applaud you for taking that big step. Thank you. Yeah, and so how was that transition for you from, so uh, and uh, assuming that Disney, again, was the last um, corporate job that you had? Well, it's most interesting because everybody knows the formal uh, story that you've just read, but the real backstory that most people <laughs> know is that December 2001, I was sitting at my desk and received a call from a journalist. And whenever you work at Disney, Mickey Mouse rule number one is you never talk to the media unless authorized. Well, I wasn't right. authorized, and I decided to talk to the media. So the journalist said to me, where did I see myself 10 to 15 years from now? And I said, I see myself as the president and CEO of the Walt Disney World Resort, and eventually the chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And needless to say, he puts this in print. True story. So the the article comes out February 2002, page 12, the Florida Business Trend Magazine. And you can still Google it to this day. It'll come up. And you see this Godiva chocolate guy, and you see the Mickey Mouse topiary behind me. And my boss called me in the office, and he's like, dude, help me. What were you thinking when you did this interview? And I said, I work at this company whose motto is, if your heart is in your dreams, no request is to stream for when you wish upon a star it makes no difference who you are but obviously it does here so (laughs) so, what was so amazing is i get a call from one of the senior vice presidents who uh, calls me he's like okay you are like in major hot water do you need me to go to bat for you because you are about to be toast right And it's funny now, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, but I was not laughing that day. And I, I said, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. So the reality is I wasn't passionate about becoming the number one guy at Disney. I was just simply trying to start an internal political campaign to get the next promotion. So in my naivety, I thought if I did the interview, all the powers to be would say, hey, here's Simon, we're a multicultural, diverse-thinking company, let's hook a brother up. You know, So they hooked me up all right. They did. <laughs> when, when HR showed up, and they said, would you please sign right here? So I signed this little piece of paper that went into my personnel file. And I said, well, I guess I won't be getting the Mickey Mouse statue anytime soon. <laughs> and 
I, they didn't fire me right away, but let's just say I did hear the footsteps coming. <laughs> and being intuitive and reading the tea leaves of the time, I realized that I may want to put my resume out on the street. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that is hilarious. <laughs> so, 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 so I put my resume out on the street. And I got uh, I got uh, several offers. Uh, two vice president offers are going to work for other companies, and then I got an offer to um, be a senior director with FlexJet, which was a division of Learjet, to head up all customer service for Learjet owners in the world. And I turned them down because I really answered three questions, and these three questions really have become the foundation of all my work. And these are the three questions I want all the listeners to really, really hone in on and listen to. Question number one: What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Mm-hmm. Failure is not final. Failure is only feedback. And some people are so afraid to 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 fail that they yes. never succeed. But you have to understand yes. that in the dictionary, failure precedes success. So how yes. do I fail up? How do I fail through? How do I fail in? So question number two, what would I do if no one paid me to do it? That question is so important because now you're getting closer to your passion, your your gifting, your ability, that thing, that it thing that you are supposed to solve while you're here on earth. And then the third question is, what makes me come alive? And that third question came out of a book that I was reading at the time, written by an author named John Etheridge. And in John's book, Wild at Heart, John says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs are people who come alive. And when I read that, I said, oh, my goodness. I said, there are a number of people who went to work 30 years ago. They settled for a chair, a check, and a cup of coffee in cubicle farm and woke up one day and said, this doesn't work for me. And they literally were the walking dead. The lights yeah. were on, but nobody was at home. You know, you ask yeah. them, how are you doing? They give you the screensaver face. You know, they're one yeah. price short of a picnic. So yeah. it's really understanding. When I answer those three questions, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? What would I do if no one paid me to do it? What makes me come alive? Those are the three questions that lead us down the path of having what I would call the Vujade moment. And you said Vujade in a very nice way. You said it with a very <laughs> French accent. Very Vujade. Very bougie. <laughs> Practicing my ooh, 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 la, la. But it's just, yeah, it's just a reverse of deja vu. I know, and that's what I said. That's deja vu, so I can, I can handle that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up. Tell us about the vuja de moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me explain it this way. Deja vu is a word that first appeared in the 1900s, a French mm-hmm. word that means you've already seen it. So mm-hmm. when you think about any of the movies that are out there, if people have seen um, Troy, 300, Gladiators, Wrath right. of the Titans, all those movies have a feeling of deja vu. You know, the yes. story, a hero, a love interest. You can almost track and write the rest of the script. But Vujade yes. means I've never seen it before, but mm. I intend to create it. So, for mm. instance, when you look at the iPhone, the word apps had never entered into the lexicon of our pop culture until 
um, Apple decided to vujade the phone. So because mm-hmm. a phone is a phone is a phone. But they said, how could we create a conversation that would keep people totally talking about what we're doing? And they put apps in the phone. Now you have apps in the iPad. So the whole point is when you connect with a person who has a phone, it's never just the conversation. It's never about the phone. It's about what apps do you have on the phone. And you're like, oh, my goodness, i got to download that app. Because now, because we've moved into a recommendation economy, now you are having this this fluid conversation of how do I create the future? What do I do? Another example of Vujade is Zappos.com will hire people, will train them for four weeks on the Zappos way. After training them for four weeks, if they don't quite get it, they are paid $2,000 to leave. Why would a company pay people $2,000 to leave after training them for four weeks? Well, they understand it's cheaper to lose them on the front end than to keep them on the back end, and they understand that corporate turnover costs $140 billion a year. So when I talk about Vujade, it's all about how do I begin to look at where I'm at, and how do I flip the script, how do I unleash the inner salmon to grab hold to the steering wheel of my personal and professional life and drive into the future instead mm-hmm. of being driven by everything and everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are some steps that people can begin to look at where they are, you know, or or to make some decisions? Because I mean, I talk to a lot of people, and and I know um, with the times, it is the time of reinventing ourselves and and finding a way to do that. Businesses have had to do that um, constantly to come up with new ways um, to generate revenue. So, how how would a person recognize? that this is something they need to do and what steps, you know, could they take to do that? Number one, everyone listening to us must become the CEO of Me Incorporated. Mm -hmm. As the CEO of Me Incorporated or You Incorporated, you have a portfolio of skills and you Mm -hmm. must do an inventory of what are those skills that make you attractive, that make you valuable in the marketplace, that provide solutions. Now, let's break that down. If you're working inside a company, being the CEO of You Incorporated means that you are a mini brand within a brand. So how do I take the portfolio of my relationships, my education, my contacts, my know-how inside the organization, and how do I begin to say, how do I help the organization move forward from where I'm sitting right now? You never get promoted until you become overqualified for a position that you're in according to my friend Kim Brown, and it's just a powerful quote. So how do I begin to look at my skill set and say, where do I see the organization going, and then what relationships do I need to have to get into the future? For instance, if you work in operations, how do you ensure you have somebody that works in marketing, that works in finance, that works in supply chain, that gives you another bird's eye view into where the organization is going, so now you understand the lexicon of the language that's used in that department division and their best practices and say, how do I now, as I cross-pollinate throughout the organization, bring the best thinking back where I sit? So as a CEO, if you incorporate it, how you keep your name off of the delisted or reduction in force list is to look at a variety of skills, not just being a specialist, but also thinking about how do I be a generalist and understanding what's happening in other areas of the company. Then, um, mm-hmm. go ahead. 
No, no, and and and, and for our listeners too, we have a, a large professional audience of business owners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What 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 are some of those key elements that they would need to do um, for their business if they know that there's a new direction they need to take? Maybe they're they're not certain what direction they should take. Uh, new people, uh, what have you? How would that relate to a business owner? All of our business owners listening must realize the current of the future is your database. Mm. How do you begin to tap into those that mm-hmm. you call your customers and how do we shift from customer experience to customer science? Because mm-hmm. when I understand customer science, let me give you an example. There was an article in the New York Times a few weeks back about how the restaurant industry is having to become more competitive and look at driving more loyalty because the margins in their business are very thin. So what mm-hmm. restaurants are doing in New York City is if a patron comes into the restaurant, they are documenting in their automated system, um, this person is a first-timer, repeat person, celebrating a birthday, not celebrating a birthday. Um, this person prefers Coke over Pepsi. They prefer soft butter instead of hard butter. This person prefers uh, a table by the window. Uh, this, they'll, they'll put codes such as WW, which means wine well. Um, they'll put codes as LOL, which means little old lady. The point is they realize that when that person walks into the restaurant, they have a nanosecond that they've mm-hmm. got to know everything about that person, and they've got to code it so when the, the hostess takes them to sit down, they can mm-hmm. engage them in some conversation. They then hand it off to the server who knows, oh, this person is a repeat little old lady, likes to drink wine. They also have documentation that if the person came into the restaurant before and took up a table for six hours and left a poor tip, they'll make sure that they leave, they put them in an uncomfortable spot so they can get up and be about their business and not stay mm-hmm. long. But, mm-hmm. but it's this customer <laughs> science piece where they yes. get down to the nitty-gritty. Who do I know? Let me give you another example. British Airways came out um, about two months ago in Mashable.com, which is uh, one of the things I highly recommend everyone read just to keep up on all the latest trends. And British Airways decided that 24 hours prior to people boarding their flights, it didn't matter if they were in business class or coach class, they would greet them based on their Facebook post or social media post the night before. Now, there are two schools of thought. That says one school of thought says that's a little bit too personal, you know, it's an invasion of privacy. The other school of thought, hey, if it's out there, why not leverage it and create a personal connection with the customer? So when you understand that your currency of the future is your database, how do I so know the people that that buy from me, that connect with me, and as we move into the recommendation economy, how do they become the unofficial recommender for my product or service? Wow, that that is. And, you know, today it is so much easier to do that with the type of technology uh, that's available. Um, even just with, I'm just thinking immediately, how could they do that? Probably with the QR codes or what have you. It's just so so many ways to collect data um, like that today. So that's powerful. That's powerful. Now, definitely um, with that, your book is coming out all surrounded um, 
by that. When when shall we expect that? Guess what? I have good news. The book is yeah. available today, right uh, now. Go uh, and get it. It's on Amazon.com. Uh, and uh, just put in the Vuja Day moment. You can get it in Kindle. You can download it from Kindle, or you can uh, order the uh, printed copy from Amazon.com. The Vuja Day moment, shift from average to brilliant. Oh, wonderful. Now, why did, why, why did you write this book? What You know, what gave you that idea and that passion to bring this project? Sure, sure. So I have worked with a thousand organizations over the last decade since leaving Disney. And one of the things I have continued to notice in many organizations uh, that I've gone into and also entrepreneurial businesses is that they found a way to disrupt themselves. They didn't settle for the status quo. They found the way to uh, not wait for the change to happen, but almost create the change. And what I noticed is they they did it almost, obviously they had the data, they had the metrics, they were paying attention to the market, but there was also an opportunity where intuitively they began to sense that it was time to shift gears. And I realized that, and I said, oh, my goodness, that's phenomenal. And one of the companies that I was dealing with was an ad agency who – in the ad world, you, if you think about it, they have operated with a traditional mindset of buy ad space, you know, yeah. do take out print space in a newspaper, magazine, blah, 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 blah. So they right. decided to do two very uh, different things. They said, number one, if we're feeling the pressure in the advertising space, obviously we need to become digital natives. We need to yes. hire digital natives to really help yes. us go into a new space. That's number one. But the second thing they said is if we're feeling the pressure, we need to create a conversation amongst the chief marketing officers who are our customers and bring together a leader lab and allow them to just process where they are and and how do we become their trusted business advisor, not trying to sell them more things, but how can we help them become better in their role? Because, as you know, chief marketing officers, their tenure is maybe two to three years max, and then mm. they are on to the next person if they're not producing the results. So what this agency discovered is that they had more retention of the, the chief marketing officers and had a better long-term uh, financial relationship with them just in doing business because they decided to, instead of selling them more stuff, they said, how do we help them become better in their role? Total mm-hmm. Vuja day, total mm-hmm. Vuja day. Let's help them create the future. Mhm mhm for sure for sure now tell us a little bit about um the brilliance institute and by the way I want everybody to go to your website there's a plethora of information at uh, Simon T like Tyrone I'm guessing don't know what terrific, your middle name terrific, is terrific terrific <laughs> I was going to say tenacious <laughs> Talented <laughs> Simon T Bailey dot com, but uh, what tell us what about what what this brilliance institute is all about? So let me let me first explain brilliance, and then and then I'll tell you about the brilliance institute. So brilliance, which is the platform that we've built our entire brand on, is is based on the work of Dr. Howard Gardner, professor of education at Harvard. Dr. Gardner, he and his team of researchers did an interesting study over a 20-plus year period, and what they discovered is that children up until the age of four are operating at the genius level. 
This same group of children were studied in their early 20s, and only 10% were still operating at the genius or brilliance level. And in their late 20s, early 30s, only 2% were still operating at the genius or brilliance level. So the question that you have, like I had, is where did the genius or brilliance go? It didn't go anywhere, but it became buried by a society that says, color within the line, sit down, give it back, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And the more people continue to hear what they can't do, where they can't go, and who they can't become, there's a neurological path that's creating the brain that causes individuals to shut down. So what happens is they have this potential, this insight, this genius, this 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 want to be better and move up. But here's what I've discovered. Brilliance is released in an environment where you are celebrated rather than tolerated. And mm. when you're in an environment that celebrates you rather than tolerates you, that environment invites you to be a vitamin, not just an aspirin. So what I've discovered is that through my work in the release, the whole Release Your Brilliance movement and now the Vujade moment through the Brilliance Institute is we've touched almost a million people around the world to help them to find their brilliance, to say, this is what I have been put on earth to do in this century, and if I I don't do it, then I truly die a copy instead of finding my original intent. So mm. our goal through Brilliance Institute from a personal standpoint is to connect with people through social media. We obviously have the Brilliantaires Club. And we share information with people that helps them on this journey to being brilliant, finding their brilliance, but even more importantly, sustaining their brilliance because it's all about sustainability. And then Mm -hmm. from a business standpoint, we work with organizations to implement the whole brilliance methodology from a leadership standpoint to a customer service standpoint to an individual standpoint. Because what I've discovered is that people don't leave companies. They leave managers who are half brilliant. Wow, that is true brilliant is because they sometimes their brilliance is blocked because of the environment and so you have employees their brilliance is blocked and they don't shine as brightly as they can to move the organization forward and then ultimately who hurts the customer because the Mm -hmm. customer never gets the full experience that they could have had if they were working with an engaged individual who really, really wanted to help them. And then ultimately, the individual is the one who hurts long-term. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't you find that, you know, even today in our world, of course, we can have a conversation with people and from one person's point of view, everything looks very gloom and doom. Another person, you know, the half glass is full, the half glass is empty. Mm-hmm. But haven't you found that for the most part, there are really good people in the world and really good people in these corporate positions that really want to produce and do a great job, but maybe along the way, like you said, have been blocked or or haven't, uh, they're not in their right lane or their Mm -hmm. brilliance hasn't Mm -hmm. been cultivated. Mm-hmm. Totally, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, and, and so my whole goal is to help them remove those brilliance blockers. So mm-hmm. through our whole work of the release your brilliance is to walk them through the system and the methodology of how to remove that. That's number one, and then mm-hmm. number two, how do they sustain and truly brilliantly shine? every single day. So the Vujade moment is the sequel or follow-up to Release Your Brilliance, because after I understand how to be brilliant, now how do I sustain it and take it to another level? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that vision of yours, I mean, reaching 10% of the $7 billion, that that's an incredible vision. 
incredible vision to be able to do that because, well, you tell me why. Why is that your vision? That's my vision because Mm -hmm. when I looked at my life over the last 25-plus years of of working, the one question I ask myself is, is, why am I here? Because the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is to be alive and not know why. Right. So when I ask myself, why am I here, what I kept coming up with is I have been wired to inspire, to help people get down the path, not just with empathy empty platitudes, but really walking them through a system that helps them to sustain it for themselves long-term and then pass it on. Mm-hmm. Now, can you give us an example uh, or just a little smidgen of what that system might be or sure. parts of the system? Yeah, so one of the things that I teach uh, is the principle of finding your universal assignment. Your universal assignment is at the intersection of what are the needs in the world that intersect with your gift, your purpose, your calling, your vocation, your skill set. So when I intersect with that, therein lies my universal assignment. When I find my assignment, that means I can become the best at doing that. So how do I sharpen that assignment? So let me give you an example. I was uh, working with uh, a young lady uh, a couple years ago who was a director at a Fortune 500 company, and she felt that you know the next time a package became available where you know employees can be bought out or you know go ahead and you know take the years of service you know that she would go out on her own. But she said I. I'm not sure of what I'm going to do. So how does my universal assignment intersect with what the need of the world is? So I walked her through the whole process, and one of the things she realized is she had to put together a stop-doing list because Mm -hmm. she was getting a lot of input from people saying, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Mm. And she was doing a lot of things, and she was spinning her wheels, but she wasn't getting anywhere. And what she discovered is that there's a a difference between being busy and being effective. So if she was going to be effective, she had to find out what was the stop doing, the things I need to stop doing that are preventing me from being effective, all right? But that ties to your universal assignment. The other thing is when you understand your universal assignment, you shift from time management to energy management because you begin to say, what is the best way for me to deploy my energy to produce the results that I want? Wow. Shift from time management to energy management. Can you elaborate more on that? What you mean, that time yeah, so when I talk energy. about energy, uh-huh. so energy, uh, everything that flows out of us, our energy is deployed into an area that produces a result. So, for instance, you a person has a business, and let's say mm-hmm. that it's a florist business, but that, that fl- a floral business, you have to exert energy every single day to be creative, to design something that is appealing and attractive to the eye. But then Mm -hmm. after you've designed it and you've let it go, how do you now replenish yourself? Because now you've got to be creative for the next day. You know, you've got to produce so much. So one of the things you have to think about is how do I pull back and, in the words of Michael Gerber, work on the business, not in the business. Mm -hmm. And the way I do that is I take time to replenish my energy. So, for Mm -hmm. instance, a practical thing would be – 
practicing what I would call meditation, taking that time to get silent, to get quiet, and to carve out time to think about what you think. Because so many people are so busy, they never right. take time to think. So if yeah. I'm going to replenish my energy, i got to think. <laughs> right, right. Because that goes back to what you talked about. I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, you got me excited over here. That goes back to how you started the show about be there. Right. Be there, Absolutely. be present, right. be there, pay attention. And I used to say at the beginning of our show, you know, how incredibly bright our future is, and it is. But, I, you know, it was it was quickened in me to mention that it starts right now with the present. And because I'm working on that, being in the present, because we can get so caught up right. uh, in the in the busy activities of the day or wanting to accomplish something and things spinning maybe not the way you want them to go. So, mm-hmm. yes. But, but continue. I hope you have yeah, your totally, thoughts. Yeah, totally uh-huh. being present, being there. And uh-huh. so when I understand energy management, I slow down in order to speed up. In other uh-huh. words, I become very mindful as to how I show up, and mm-hmm. I literally uh, begin to edit my words. In other mm. words, it's not in the quantity of what you say. It's in the quality of what you say because it's not so much what you say, it's the energy behind what you say. So yes. how do the I intent. Uh-huh. The, the intent. The intent. How do mm-hmm. I pay attention to mm-hmm. every word that is mm-hmm. creating the future that I want to walk into? So mm-hmm. when I think about that as it relates to my universal assignment, I don't try to do everything I realize mm-hmm. that there are some things I need to let go because mm-hmm. I can't let the opportunities come if I'm mm-hmm. holding on to what doesn't work for me, which creates energy leaks because mm-hmm. energy leaks drain you and pull you in a mi- million different directions and mm-hmm. cause you to be incongruent in generating a result. So when I focus on my energy management, I realize I have to let it go so I can let it come. Mhm, mhm. That is, wow, that is powerful. If you've just tuned in, you're listening live here on Wealthy Sisters, our month. We are celebrating our all-male guest panel, and today we have none other than Mr. Simon T. Bailey. He's the author and speaker, as we say, a brilliant speaker, and is holding us all captive here. You know, uh, <laughs> There's so much that we could talk about. We could go on and on, and I know the time is is winding down here. Um, tell me, why are conversations like this important, Simon, that we're having and you're sharing with us today? Because conversations like this move beyond communication, and mm-hmm. they move into connection. Mm-hmm. There are too many people that communicate. So if there's one practical tip that we can give people, stop communicating and start connecting. Mm. When I move from communicating to connecting, I move from my head to my heart. Because mm. when I communicate, I'm communicating what's in my mind and what I'm trying to convey or how I'm trying to persuade or how I want you to see a certain issue based on my filter. But when mm-hmm. I connect, 
I become present to the moment, and I release the need to be right. And then mm. what happens is you have this thing that emerges in the moment where you, you're not sure where the conversation is going, but you're comfortable with the flow. And mm-hmm. the flow happens because you're connected. You're not mm-hmm. judging the moment. You're going you. wherever it goes. So big takeaway, stop communicating and start connecting. That's how conversations like this happen. And you know it's it's so important too. I've learned a lot. Um, just you know, I, I'm sure we all can look at our lives and see a year or two or what have you. It seems like you may have grown. I mean, light years in that time frame. And for me, that's been these past five years. And I was watching um, uh, Oprah's in the spirit on yesterday, and it's David David Zukov. Zukov always. Uh, forget the pronunciation of his last name, but he was talking about compassion and um, really, really having the ability of compassion and not, like you're saying, not judging that moment or judging or always feeling that need to always be right or having that, you know, you're feeling like you're being violated or what have you. And I can see that tying in what you're saying about not just communicating, just talking, again, going back to those going through the motions, but actually connecting. And I guess how do you how do you communicate or connect with a person, rather, that may not believe in, they may say this, this soft stuff, these soft skills that we're talking about, you know, it's, it's hokey, it's not realistic, you know, you're talking about energy and you t- <laughs> where's the the facts? Where are the facts sure, about? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, so to kind of ground this a little bit more, um the soft stuff is really the hard stuff because mm-hmm. research shows you can have people that have the technical competency that will mm-hmm. take them to the top of their field, but it's their emotional intelligence that will keep them there. And the mm. reason sometimes people hit the wall and they're like, I'm smart, I've got degrees, I know this and I know that, that's very nice, very sweet, and very special. But we are in a world right now that is shifting from people are tired of being impressed by what you know. They want right. to know, do you care about do me? You care? And do if you, you care? don't care about mm-hmm. me, I'm going to TiVo you out of my life. So mm-hmm. one of the things that's important for people really to grasp hold to is when I choose to come from a place of serving, mm-hmm. how I really connect is I understand the same letters that spur the word listen spell the word silent. How do I be silent in the moment and yes. listen with the third ear, the ear of the heart, for what really, really wants to emerge. Now, I know that sounds like very soft, very West Coast, very like, okay, where is this going? Well, here's yes. the interesting thing. There there are many schools of thought right now, specifically MIT and Stanford and some of the Ivy League schools that are teaching CEOs that in the midst of uncertainty, they need to be open to what they're calling intuitive intelligence. Intuitive mm-hmm. intelligence does not have the data, does not have the metrics. It's about what wants to emerge. Point in case, when you look at what Apple has done, 
What metrics did Apple have to point to, that Steve Jobs had to point to, to say mm-hmm. it's time to introduce an iPod, it's time to introduce an iPhone, it's time to introduce an iPad? What, 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 what did they have? It was right. intuitive. I right. mean, when you look at the, the work of Pixar, I mean, Pixar said, how do we begin to create what wants to happen, not just what's always has been here? So Pixar, a company that just literally less than 20 years ago, was worth less than $5 million, was purchased by Disney for $7.4 billion, all because they tapped into intuitive intelligence, paying attention to what wants to emerge. So Dan Pink, in his book, A Whole Mind, and all of his research says that we are on in the planet right now, and there is a shift towards the right brain. Now, it's not disconnecting or discounting the left brain and, and data and analytical, those things are very important. If anything, all of the listeners should be uh, thinking about how do I become a hybrid? How do I take the best of my left brain and the best Mm -hmm. of my right brain and become a hybrid in my industry, especially as we move from a point-and-click world to a touch-and-swipe world? Mm, mm. That's true. I mean, really. I I was at the bank the other day, and you can make your deposit now from your smartphone. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Take a picture of the check, and it's in your bank. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, okay. It is. It is. This is an incredible time that we're living in, and I love that, Um, pulling all of it together there. Let me ask you, if well, first let me just remind everyone, you, you've just tuned in to Wealthy Sisters Radio, and we're celebrating our all-male guest panel this week, uh, this month of October, and our special guest today is Mr. Simon T. Bailey. He's an author, speaker, motivator. I mean, this is a, just a phenomenal show, and if you've missed the first part, please feel free to download this show and all of our other great shows at Wealthy Sisters Radio. That's Wealthy Sisters. S-I-S-T-A-S radio.com Simon, I'm going to ask you three favorite words because I, I mean and tell us why I, I, I can't wait to hear your answer on this three top favorite words top three favorite words yes. standardization personalization and customization mm. and here's why I say those words Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in a world right now where people are tired of the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the same old, same old, been there, done that, already seen it. Very deja vu. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are shifting and have shifted into a world of personalization. Let me give you an example. So uh, I am a big movie buff. And okay. so to relax, I'll go to movies, and I go to my Yelp app and my phone, and I want to find out about the theater that I, I want to go to, uh, if okay. whatever town I'm in. I could just punch in the zip code. Well, as you know, uh, Yelp is keeping this information, and it's paying attention to my tendencies and what I do. So the next time when I come back, it's recommending, oh, here are other things to consider. You follow what I'm saying? So it's this whole personalization of the experience. There's many websites right now. Uh, if you look at Amazon, Amazon is so accustomed to what books you have ordered and downloaded that they will send to you advertisement 
uh, and say the people who bought uh, this book are similar to the books you have liked in the past. Mm-hmm. So it can be mm-hmm. in a category. So personalization. But when I talk to talk about customization, customization is how do I so understand who you are that I'm going to customize that experience for you? So I was recently um, staying at the Ritz-Carlton Atlanta and had to go and meet a client and forgot that I needed a headset that had a USB cable uh, connected to it for a conference call I need to do later on in the day. So I called the hotel from the airport to say, hey, I've already checked in. I'm at the airport. Got to run to a meeting. Um, Where's the closest Best Buy? When I get back, I'll just go to Best Buy and pick it up. Well, the concierge said, give us your phone number. We'll call you back. And so he calls me back and says, okay, the closest one is 10 minutes away. Okay, great. Well, I, as you can imagine, my meeting ran over, and now I'm going back to the hotel, feverishly trying to get back downtown Atlanta from the airport in the middle of the day. Okay? Right, <laughs> you got right, the right. All of a right. sudden, I get a phone call from the concierge who says, Mr. Bailey, uh, we took it upon ourselves to go to Best Buy. We have bought the headset for you. It is waiting for you here at concierge, and we've added it to your bill. That's customization because right now they saved me time, but they understood what I needed to accomplish. They didn't wait for management to call them and say, when the guest calls you, go above and beyond. They took it upon themselves to customize an experience for me that now has me sharing this story with you. So people have got to think about, is is what I'm currently offering in the marketplace, is it a standard? Because if it's the standard, I will always compete on price. Is it personalized? Is it customized? And I believe where we've got to shift to, if we're going to be viable brands and viable businesses, is towards customization. Now, you can't do that for everything and everybody. So where it works in your business, say, when can we do customization that works and margin it up? When should we do personalization? And then if the standard works for us and people are okay with that, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Why not play in all three streams? Love it. Love it. That's great. That's great. Now, you know, in closing here, as I said, man, this time is going by so fast here. I want to be able to open the lines up uh, for any questions that anyone might have. We have maybe about five minutes left in the show. Maybe we can have time for one question or two from the audience if if they'd like. Okay. Well, I want to open the lines up for that. So if you dialed in 347-838-9278, you can press 1 so that we know that you have a question here uh, as well on the line. And then also um, you can let us know if you've got a question in the chat room. Just post one there, and we'll be happy to ask. If you've just dialed in, this is a Wealthy Sisters Radio. Our very special guest today is Simon T. Bailey. He's an author, speaker, motivator. He is the founder of the Brilliance Institute, and uh, I tell you, this has just been a phenomenal show, great, great show. We're so thrilled to have you uh, on the show today, Simon. When I think about um, everything that you've talked about um, with the Brilliance Institute and the standardization, personalization, and customization, and the conversation why it's important for us to, to move and to also, like you said, slow down in order to speed up. It's really important that um, we continue, as you said, to have these type of conversations. What do you think is the greatest challenge that people face 
today and moving forward in their businesses? Yeah, it's it's uncertainty. It's mm-hmm. the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. It's the what if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And those things cause people to be stuck in neutral. And they mm-hmm. never shift gears to drive into the future because they're looking through the rearview mirror of here's what happened yesterday. If mm-hmm. I do this, you know, am I going to crash and burn? Or, you know, what's right. going to happen? And so they focus more on what they think will happen that may never happen instead of getting out and making something happen. So one of the things I've discovered in 10 years of being an entrepreneur is I've had many mistakes. I've had many failures. But I realize you can't drive into the future while looking through the rearview mirror. You have to look through the windshield and course correct uh, along the way. So in other Mm -hmm. words, your internal GPS, if you're off track, if you're out of flow, if you're out of sync, will always try to bring you back to where you're ultimately trying to go. Right, right. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you that question because a lot of times we have um, the tendency to, or people believe when they see individuals like yourselves who've accomplished great things to think, oh, they've got it easy or it's been easy for them. I'm glad you brought up the fact that you've had some challenges in the past and you were able to keep moving forward through them. What Maybe what are some of those challenges or maybe an example of one that you can share and how you were able to or what made you keep moving forward? Yeah, I, I had one not too long ago. I made a huge, huge, um, just a, an error in judgment. And mm-hmm. not really an error in judgment. I, sh- I should have thought about something all the way through and all of the repercussions and looked mm-hmm. a little bit further down the road. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I realized is that I should have leveraged the expertise of some of the people that are in my constituency, and I didn't because mm-hmm. I said, I got it. And what I realize, it's okay to say I don't know what I don't know because that is the sign of maturity. And what I realized and what I learned from it, because I'm entering into another opportunity, is that I'm approaching it from a whole different angle because I've got this experience that kind of bit me a little bit. Yes, I know that, I know that, yes, in the process of that, moving through it now, but it's not about me, keep going. (laughs) It has worked out, but the pain of what I had to go through Mm. could have been avoided if Mm. I would have just stepped back, slowed down, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. asked, and the thing about it, I have resources that I totally could have tapped into, and I just didn't tap into them because I was moving so fast. And okay. so with another opportunity that I'm approaching, I'm leveraging those resources to say, hey, help me think through what this might look like. What questions should I be asking? How should I see this? How can you help give me a 360-degree view of the right. issue? Right, right. Well, I tell you, that the lines are packed out. The chat room is going. I mean, several questions popped up there. One of them is, what are some of the reasons, and this is from Dynamic Daphne. We see you, Dynamic Daphne. Good to see you on the show today. What are some of the reasons why entrepreneurs, she says, um, why aren't they embracing your teaching? Oh, great question. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's foreign, it's mm-hmm. new, it's out mm-hmm. there, it's not more of the same. Uh, and what I've discovered, even with the Vujade moment, I have a choice. 
either I can be an original voice or an annoying echo. And sometimes okay. people are more comfortable with what they hear in the echo chamber that, that is kind of close to them. But real people who get out on the edge say, oh, I need to vujade my life, because they right. understand if they're going to go to the next level, they have to become uncomfortable being comfortable. Wow, wow. I tell you, this is we have about a minute left in the show. You've just tuned in to Wealthy Sisters. You can catch this show and all of our others at WealthySistersRadio.com. Our guest today has been none other than Mr. Simon T. Bailey. And Gloria Smith in the chat room wants to know, when are you coming back to the East Coast? I mean, I guess I mean, I think she might mean the Northeast or the Mid-Atlantic region since you're down in Florida, right? I'm in Florida. I travel all the time, <laughs> all over. Tell her to, to assign Sign up for our newsletter online. Sign up for follow us on social media, and we always yes. are alerting people where we will be. Yes, definitely. Well, Simon, thank you so much for just such a dynamic and a brilliant show today. Uh, wow, I can't wait to go back and listen to it over and over again. You've been a phenomenal guest. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, those of you who are in the chat room there and also on the lines and downloading the show. Stay tuned for next week as we wrap up our all-male guest panel series this month of October with none other than actor, screenwriter, and the originator of the Law of Emergence, Mr. Derek Rydell. Wow, we're excited about having him on next week as well. So once again, we thank you. You are just the absolute greatest audience. We appreciate you. And as always, we wish you and yours the best of everything great. See you next week. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman, turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com. list for now, but definitely have to have another opportunity in the future to have you address um, our audience in some form or another. Just just really, really appreciate your content, your energy, and and we get a real sense from you that you know, that you believe in what you're saying, you know what you're talking about, and uh, you've been there and loved, loved, loved your story, loved your story. Uh-oh, hello? Can you hear me? I think I lost him. Can you hear me?